Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay, man, episode 10. No, it's quite a milestone. Yeah, it's quite big but don't one. worry, man. Just relax. Enjoy it. Have fun with you it. You know I don't like doing these intros. Man, man you're going to be great. Okay, Just thanks. enjoy it. Relax. Okay. Deep breaths. Here we go. <clears throat> On this week's film chat, I'll be looking at heavily awards-nominated drama Foxcatcher. Oh, oh, not quite my tempo. All right, sorry. It's all good. Here we go. Five, six, seven. On this week's film chat, I'll be looking oh. at... He- you're rushing. Okay, yeah. You're Here rushing. we go. Okay. On this... Oh, are you ready? Yep, yep. Five, on, six, and... On this week's film chat... You're dragging. On this... No. Wait for my cue. Okay. On this week's film chat, I'll be looking at heavily awards-nominated... Rushing. Five, six, and On this week's film chat, I'll be looking at heavily awards-nominated drama Foxcatcher while Danny checks out Reese Witherspoon's comeback turn in Wild. Why do you think I just held a chair out your head, Foster? I don't know. Sure you do. Uh, it's a tempo. Were you rushing or were you dragging? I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven... In four, eight, damn it, five, look at me! Oh, sorry, one, two, three... Oh, one, two, three... Oh, ow! Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Oh, rushing, I guess. So you do know the difference! Oh, guess, if yeah. you dare to sabotage my podcast, I will fuck you like a pig! Oh. Now, are you a rusher or are you a dragger? Are you going to be on my fucking time? I'm going to be on your time. Okay, great, that's all I wanted to hear. Oh, thank you. Uh, let's start the show. Okay. Two weeks ago, we said that we were going to start giving out prizes and stuff to people who wrote in, right? A yeah. pretty flagrant yeah. attempt to bribe people into yeah. sending us letters. Hasn't Potent- really borne tremendous fruit. Potentially could have bankrupt us, but <laughs> thankfully, no one gave a shit. <laughs> no one really gave a shit. So this week, we don't really have a lot to report, um, except for by popular demand, by which I mean some tweets from James Andrews, there will now be an official uh, film chat bowling trip. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's next Tuesday, Tuesday the 27th, at 10-pin bowling in the Rotunda in Kingston, in Kingston-upon-Thames. 
So if you're around, why not throw a few game? What do you, what's the expression? I don't know, play um, bowling. I don't know. Split a few pins. Yeah, split a few pins split out. Split a few frames. Yeah. Split frames. To- toss a couple of frames <laughs> to- um, down yeah. at the old uh, bowling alley in Kingston. What time, shall we say? Like 7.30? Something? Yeah, sure, 7.30. Okay. I mean, we'll, we'll put all these details up on uh, Facebook in a more sort of definite way, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. The more the merrier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should all come. You should definitely all come. All come. I mean, yeah. we've got a lot of likes. Yeah. Potentially you could just... Especially uh, you, Kyle Skilton. <laughs> Just trying to name check some people to get them to come. Um, yeah, we were expecting a lot more correspondence than we've received, so we've already got a large stack of autograph photos, um, some of which are quite sexually explicit. So you should, uh, if you want to see, <laughs> you want to see them, and of course you do. Send, send us in a message. Send us in a message. Come on, people. Have you, are you watching the Oscar movies, guys, or what? Or not? Tell us. What have you seen? What have you seen that we've not seen? Have you seen Enemy? Have you seen that film where Jake Gyllenhaal's in it twice? Yeah, it's got a beard. He's got a beard in it. Have it's, you seen? Have you seen his beard in it? <laughs> his beard? Have you seen both his beards in that movie? Tell have us. His two beards. I want to know about them. I want to know if there's a difference. Okay. Um, so that's <laughs> it. Okay. See you next week at, uh, for bowling. Yeah. See you Tuesday. See, see you next Tuesday for bowling. <laughs> see you next Tuesday, guys. You bunch of see you next Tuesdays. Superhero films announced Casting rumours leaking out M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped Matt Damon's in a viral vid Michael Bay's made a mint That's the news that's been to print So, what's the headline story this week, Danny? Well, for me, personal hero George Lucas mm-hmm. has been uh, doing some interviews or he's always promoting his vast wealth Um... <laughs> A couple of funny quotes have come out of them uh, regarding his sale to uh, Disney, that all the Star Wars properties. He had, apparently had original ideas for the next trilogy. He was, he was planning to direct episodes seven, eight, and nine. Right. The quote is: "The ones I sold to Disney, they came up to the decision that they didn't really want to do those, so they made up their own. So it's not the ones I originally wrote." Which begs the question: What could possibly be in those drafts? <sighs> I hope they get leaked. Yeah, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be an incredible leak. Why didn't the um, those North Korean hackers target George Lucas? I think that's what people really want to hear. Yeah, right? people want to know his shitty ideas for where Star Wars is going to go next. But, like, have you ever seen the, his original ideas for, like, the first Star Wars? No. They make for interesting reading. It just sounds like he just made this film by accident, and like, it was good. Somehow it was a classic. Yeah, like, Han Solo was, like, an alien, like, frog man thing. <laughs> like, Luke Star Killer, and, like, yeah, all these, like, random ideas. There's, like, a really good making-of book. I don't even like Star Wars that much, but I just like to see, like, you know, the what could have been. Mm. And there was, like, a terrible movie. And uh, somehow it sort of just became, like, this classic. So, I don't know. Maybe there's a thin line between genius and madness, and at some point George Lucas crossed over that line. <laughs> there's no going back. So he doesn't give any hint of what was in his original drafts. No. That's a shame. Probably more Ewoks, I don't know. More Trade Federation, do you think? <laughs> yeah. More about Trade Federation? <laughs> a lot of business talk. It's yeah. like margin call, but in space. <laughs> Yeah. And um, he's also, he's working on two new films. Wow. Exciting stuff. But he's been but so busy, isn't he, out there on his ranch? Before you get too excited, uh, he said, uh, the way these films are, they're not really movies that can be released. Okay. Uh, the movie's more for myself, and maybe I'll show them to some of my friends. They're like something I did in school, or movies I produced, like Kenichi Waski. What's that, Philip? Do you know what I'm trying Playing to say? Playing a That's the one. Things like that. That's like an art film, which is yeah. about, like, Cities or something, isn't it? Yeah. Lucas said, noting hands start shooting, but it's different because they're dramatic films. It's very hard to explain because it's never been done yet. Wow. God, that's absolutely uninterpretable. <laughs> quote from George Lucas. 
It would be great if he just sort of came back with his masterpiece, like out of the wilderness of hatred. Mm. Uh, Absolutely no one is holding <laughs> their breath for that. I know. Is there anyone whose reputation has been so thoroughly lost? Exactly. It'd be, the ultimate, it'd be the ultimate comeback. Yeah. He's the one, right? But I, I think that the thing with George Lucas is that, unlike the other 70s auteurs who have kind of faded, with him, he's been reevaluated to, like, did he even have any talent to begin with? <laughs> you know? If people, like, understand that Francis Ford Coppola was a great director when he made The Godfather, and now he's just, like, making things on his iPhone with, you know, yeah. and no one cares. But uh, George Lucas, people are like, what, you know, was it all just Lawrence Kasdan and, like... Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, Harrison Ford writing his own part and stuff? Like, yeah. Maybe. The only thing holding those films back, George Lucas... <laughs> They could have been really good yeah. if he hadn't been involved. If he just hadn't been involved. Yeah, if he just like anonymously put the scripts <laughs> in an envelope and just sent them to Steven Spielberg or something and he'd made them. Man can dream. Yeah, man can dream. Well, I look forward to seeing us two. Well, we'll, not, we'll never see them. We'll never see them. We'll have to become his friend so he'll show them to us. Yeah, oh, that'd be great. Then yeah. we can read his scripts as well. All right, I hope he doesn't listen to this because we've been quite disparaging of him. Oh, shit. Is he on Twitter? Can we send him some nice tweets? Um, yeah, we'll send him some nice tweets. Yeah. You look good, George. And stuff like that. Great beard, George. Nice beard, George. Always as good as Gyllenhaal's. It's even better than Gyllenhaal's in the film Enemy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that should work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, yep. Okay. Um, the only other news I've got is that the Cohen brothers are going to be joint head presidents of the Cannes jury. This con cans can can yeah has too many n's and too many s's in that I can't pronounce it. It's just can can <laughs> the can jury. Yeah, it's quite cool. Yeah, it's very cool. They got good taste. They're, they're inseparable, aren't they? I guess yeah. they couldn't make just one of them the head. Yeah, yeah. Do they feel like they're even two distinct people? They, they just, kind of look similar. Yeah, they, well, they're brothers. <laughs> not that surprising. They just share Francis McDormand. What? Yeah. Like a menage a trois. Mm. I think that's what I've heard. Francis McDormand. Yeah. Yeah. Francis for one, McDormand for the other. <laughs> I'm trying... on, sorry, so the people who work in the movies do say that if you ask one a question, like, how should I do this? And then you go ask the other one, they will say the exact same thing. So. Maybe they just like. Well, a... they can do some sort of like blind trial to like test if well, they, they are a different well, maybe person. They could, but it turns no, out they're multiple not. Multiple actors have said you can ask both of them separately, and they will give the exact same creative. Yeah, so maybe they've got like, like peanut butter or jam or whatever, and they both prefer peanut butter. Yeah, they've got like a hive mind. <laughs> <laughs> By that logic, couldn't they just both be off making movies, and we could have twice as many Coen Brothers That's movies? True, and it'd be great. Yeah. Because the, when they're making the films, they're probably just all saying, yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> exactly. When they're writing the script. Well, it's redundant, right? <laughs> <laughs> so send, like, Ethan can go make, I don't know, some sort of uh, fast comedy, yeah. and Joel can make some sort of deep thriller investigating the dark side of the human, yeah. you know, psyche. They're, they're making this Caesar film now, right? Yeah. They, they could be making, like, another just movie. Both, they probably both wrote the script for that, and they compared them, and they were just identical. <laughs> and it was a waste of time for them working together. That's how they write. They write in separate rooms. But <laughs> they the come scripts in and they just make sure the they're the same. Yeah. 
You yeah, you do the odd pages. I'll do the even pages. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably work out. Yeah. Anyway, so I so yeah, it makes sense to have them both as the head of the of the jury because I'll you know they'll agree. I hope they don't get two votes. Yeah. You know, otherwise, just the Cohen's hive mind is getting two votes. That's just, <laughs> it's just unfair, isn't it, on the other jurors? The only other piece uh, of news I have is the most exciting kind of news, which is box office news. Yay! <laughs> um, Michael Mann's new film, which is a hacker thriller, um, a Ooh, genre timely. With, uh, yes, incredibly, um, incredibly timely. It's called Black Hat. Um, he yeah. probably wants you to pronounce it like Black Hat. Black Hat. Black Hat. Black Hat. <laughs> Uh, starring Chris Hemsworth as a hacker who's got to help the US government fight another hacker. Doesn't really look like a hacker, does he? Has mm. he put on loads of weight and like got like grown a shit beard and got greasy hair? I think maybe his computer's in the gym. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he works out and hacks at the same time. Yeah. And that's why he looks so like his, mega hot. His RAM is powered by just uh, reps. By, yeah, he cycles <laughs> to power his computer. Yeah. So um, that's why he's like, totally ripped and like super hot. Sweet. Yeah, it's true. I think that might be one of the problems in the movie is that everyone... You know, the audience's suspension of disbelief can only go so far, you know. Yeah. But then Hugh Jackman was the hacker in Swordfish, right? So filmmakers are not learning this lesson. Yeah. Anyway, it just came out in the US and it has spectacularly bombed. Uh, they opened it on more than two and a half thousand screens. Um, and for an opening of that scale, it's like the 11th worst um, of all time. Wow. It's pretty disastrous. Yeah. That's bad. And I was looking on boxofficemojo.com, who do not sponsor this podcast, but I wish they would. Because <laughs> I can make them all the time and get money. Um, sorry, I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> I looked on there to see the list of like the worst openings ever, yeah. and I don't know. I, I was expecting to to look at it and be like, "Wow, it's fascinating! I can't believe that movie had." It. But then they're all disasters, so they sung without trace. You know, yeah, yeah. all these movies from like the last ten years. Yeah. And you're like, oh yeah, I sort of remember that film. Like, rumor has it, you know. And, oh uh, yeah, yeah, that was really bad. Some movie called Hoot, um, Hoot, <laughs> which is a children's film about like a bunch of kids trying to save like an owl sanctuary or something. <laughs> That is a, like that is an amazing title. Yeah, hoot. That's so good. Yeah. Do you think uh, they came up with the title and reverse engineered the plot? <laughs> do you really think that title is so inspired that there were? Yeah, I reckon some guy came into like you know the office, first. got a great title for a movie, hoot. Yeah. You did the rest. Hook was a hit. Let's change as little about that as possible and make another film. I don't. I don't anyway, really it's care. Kind of, it's kind of it's kind of funny. It's just yeah. Like, it's it's sort of slightly tragic that a lot of people you know put a lot of time and effort and money into these things which everyone forgot yeah. about immediately I don't know I don't really like Michael Mann he's such a sort of man who likes cars and buildings and there's too much testosterone in his films isn't it's, there it's a bit too it's sort of yeah he'll be, he's more excited by buildings and women in yeah. his films <laughs> he's a building fucker yeah you're a fucking building than a woman nothing I hate more than that <laughs> let me hate more the man who passes by a beautiful woman and immediately fucks the building Foxcatcher, that's the big uh, movie out at the moment, probably. He's the big Oscar film. Yeah. I saw this a couple of weeks ago. Directed by Bennett Miller, the director of Moneyball, so he's got Oscar pedigree. Yeah. It's based on a true story about an eccentric billionaire played by Steve Carell, a man called John DuPont. Um, and his increasingly weird relationship with two sibling Olympic wrestlers, one of whom is a bit like Lenny from Mice and Men. It's called Mark Schultz, played by Channing Tatum. And the other is a much nicer, more, more well-adjusted character called Dave Schultz, who's played by Mark Ruffalo. So um, it's 
I, I, I enjoyed the film. It seems like good and well made and stuff, but I didn't leave loving it. Um, and I think that might partly be down to the fact that I knew the basic outline of the true story on which the film is based. Sometimes that doesn't really matter if you kind of know what's going to happen. And mm. sometimes I feel like it does affect things a little bit. And I think this movie is one of those cases. So if you have no idea um, anything about the real like underlying story, then I think you should go see it before you know that. Um, yeah. Because I think you'll probably enjoy the film more. And without, I don't want to go in, I don't want to give it away for anyone. But part of the issue with that is that the kind of the climax of the film, which is the kind of famous reason, you know, it's like the famous event that is the reason that this is, you know, well known as a yeah. story kind of comes out of nowhere a bit in reality and mm. isn't very explicable. It's a bit random. Yeah, yeah. And so it's hard to construct a narrative which, like, um, compellingly builds up to that event. And so I was, like, hard. it was hard for me not to sit there waiting for that to happen. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. so you kind of, uh, sort of watching it, you know, seeing it being foreshadowed or whatever, and then it happens, and it was a bit like, that still seemed like it came from nowhere. Right. See what I mean? So the film has this really kind of, it's like super serious. It's got this like, you know, this oh, is yeah. like serious material. It's the like very important. Bloody intense. Yeah, it's very intense. Nothing um, happened in it, but it was very intense. Yeah, well, I say like, in yeah, intense and slow is kind of the, you know, um, yeah. great lovemaking, but um, mixed <laughs> for a film. <laughs> <laughs> That's great with the lady. Ain't no good at watching a movie. Yeah. One yeah. sign into your life there, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like it all. It all feels like very important and dark stuff. It's all very well made, but because of the weirdness of the of the story, yeah. the kind of straightness of the material almost seems at odds with it. Right? Does that does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get you. Yeah, and so does, you, it, does it become like ridiculous? Like, um, I think it's mostly not, but yeah, it somewhat is. I'll come on to like yeah. what I found slightly silly about it. Yeah, because like. Part of it is kind of a portrayal of madness, like the Steve Carell, John DuPont character is this, like, um, oddball billionaire. It's mm. pretty clear from about one second into it that he's a strange man. He, first of all, he's, like, caked him out six inches of, like, makeup and prosthetics, so he looks like a kind of, <laughs> like, bizarre, like, mutant. <laughs> he, looks like, he looks like the result of several generations of inbreeding, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He looks like, a, like an unflattering portrait of a medieval royal or something <laughs> so it's like not surprising when he starts to act weirdly yeah because he's obviously there's something deeply wrong which one's the weird one because that guy <laughs> <laughs> seems a little weird <laughs> barely looks human in fact <laughs> um brilliant so so there's this kind of study of madness but they don't really get that far into his character other than he's like rich he's lonely he's weird and he's got issues with his mum his mum's played by Vanessa Redgrave and they're sort of making up for the thinness of that character by getting a sort of legendary actor to play them. Yeah. So he has about four lines. The rest <laughs> of the time she's just kind of sitting there being like part of his psyche. You right. Know? Might as well be a portrait on the wall that he talks to. <laughs> yeah, sure. And so, I don't know, you kind of feel like you don't really like get him. There's like bits in the film where you're like, this is only in here because it's like an insight into his like madness. Mm. But it feels kind of skin deep in a way mm. you know it doesn't you don't feel like you're really learning anything about him and uh yeah and the fact that i mean steve Carell, who's obviously famous for playing comic characters um is is good in this movie he's definitely very good 
but I kind of feel like it detracts from his performance a little bit to have him wearing so much makeup. Yeah, it's I was like, just going to ask. Like they've all got weird haircuts and they've all been like weirded up. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah. I'm not like totally sure how much. Do they do stuff? Do they put? Do they give Channing Tatum a false nose? Yeah, well? I think they flattened his nose a bit. I, I definitely feel like it suddenly takes away from the acting. Yeah, you know, it's like is he really acting that well, or is he just standing in a particular pose covered in all this stuff? You know? Yeah, it's like half of his performance it's is the makeup an, department. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd approach, as if like. You know, that's clearly not Jean de Pont, that's Steve Carell. It's like, well, it's still is Steve Carell. But yeah. now he's just looks well, a bit. If you look at photos of John Dupont. Uncanny Valley, Steve Carell. Yeah, if you look at. <laughs> yeah, well, they've turned him into a sort of like spitting image puppet of John Dupont. Yeah. Because he doesn't. He looks like mental. I mean, like, if you see a photo of John Dupont, he looks like a sort of normal man. Yeah. You know, he doesn't look like someone whose like, nose is like six inches long. You know. Well, that's what's quite funny because Steve Carell's nose is pretty big to begin with. <laughs> so. I don't know. It's like. I mean, far be it from me to, like... I mean, well... <coughs> no, be it. Be it. Be Criticise. It. Be it from me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like the... Why not just trust your actor to do the performance? You know, why yeah. cover them in all this stuff? Like, because um, you end up watching... Like, the thing that slightly um, pushed me away from it a little bit is that you sort of felt like the the three central characters of Mark Ruffalo, Channing Tatum, and Steve Carell are just, like one third actual acting one third like makeup and hair and prosthetics and one third just like ticks like weird ticks yeah yeah like Channing Tatum is acting as like nuts off immediately you know from like the first like the first scene in the film is him delivering this speech to a high school about being an Olympic wrestler and he doesn't you know there's not a single word comes out of his mouth before you're like you know there's a performance it's so performancey yeah yeah you know what I mean yeah, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah, natural yeah, yeah. at all yeah I got you he's got this really mannered like lumbering hulking walk and he kind of like I don't know how to describe his walk it's really lumbering <laughs> and he kind of sort of lifts himself up off the ground like quite a long way with each step he looks a bit he looks like he's been animated and Mark Ruffalo he plays by far most normal of the three, but he is also doing quite a mannered performance where he's got all these like ticks and he's always like crouching down like he's gonna wrestle someone. Like he mm-hmm. spends so much time in you know, practicing being a wrestler that he's always about to do wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the performances are all good, but it's like the I don't know, it's like the mannerisms they they probably all spent about nine months like, you know, getting his carriage and preparing for the role and you're really seeing all that work on the screen and it's like slightly yeah. bringing, taking you away from the movie sure. a little bit. So, I don't know. I mean, that that all sounds quite negative, but it's like, uh, I don't know, it's well made. Like, it seems good. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I was, like, well, that's what, like, what struck me by the trailer I, was like, it just seemed very important. Yeah. This is important. I just didn't have a really strong, I just it didn't react really strongly to it. I didn't come out and be like, that was a load of shit, you know, I don't know why anyone liked it. Yeah. It was like an interesting story and it's like quite competently done and they're all performing well and it's it's not boring. But I just wasn't like blown away. Yeah, yeah. Know? I did the the wrestling is quite well done. I don't know anything about wrestling. It's got a weird. Sport. It sounds like a film where like someone could tell you why it's a good movie, but it doesn't necessarily mean it is. Yeah, it's like you know, yeah, ticks yeah. all the boxes, but as you know, I think that's probably a bit I think that's probably true actually. To it. Like if like if you read a really positive review, I mean I've read some like very very positive reviews of the movie, and I wasn't reading them just like you know, these are people are total idiots. You yeah, know? you can see what they saw in the movie that was interesting. Um but it just didn't really like, you know, yeah. it didn't get to me. Sure. Yeah. Um, and it was also one of those films, like I feel this before with like weird true stories turned into movies. Is that yeah. my first, like my overriding feeling leaving the cinema is I want to read the book about the actual thing that happened. Yeah. You know, like that's probably more interesting because it's real mm-hmm. rather than just a 
fictional portrayal of these bizarre events. Yes. Which certainly. are not... Then that's not more interesting than just, you know, a documentary or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't... Not, I mean, you know, go see it and everything, but yeah. I just... It's not... <laughs> Katie wants to cut this whole review down to just a sort of noise. <laughs> and now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astonishingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So, wild. Wild. Reese Wilson's back. She's back, back, back. Yeah. With a backpack. <laughs> That's a rap I'm working on. Didn't have a chance to, uh, figure the second line there. Is, uh, has she been away? Has she been, Apparently so. Has she been on hiatus? Well, she won that Oscar for Walk the Line yeah. in 2006. Oh, she hasn't, she hasn't done anything since then. Like, well, she's done stuff like, can you name any of her movies in the interim? Really. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously I wasn't really missing Reese Witherspoon <laughs> because I <laughs> had it massively clocked that she was away. I think she was off having kids and raising them and being a good mom and stuff. Okay. Maternity. Cinema, cinema's loss Maternity <laughs> is a child's gain. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Wild. It's uh, directed by Jean-Marc Vallée, who directed Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club. Dallas Buyers Club, which got McConaughey his McConaughey Oscar. Yeah. He puts McConaughey on every word now. Um, <laughs> it's adapted by a uh, memoir by Cheryl Strayed, and it's the adaptation is by Nick Hornby, novelist. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. Of, and he did the adaptation for An Education. So he's got some form in, in doing screen adapting. The story is, in 1985, Cheryl Strayed set out on this epic hike on what's called the Pacific Crest Trail, which is like thousands and thousands of miles across of scenic California. And while she's going on this actual physical journey, mm -hmm. she's also going on this like internal journey. She's sort of meditating about the sort of things that have happened in her life that have led her to take this path and right. basically like it must be exhausted it's two journeys at once <laughs> two journeys at once she's physically and mentally journeying yeah. throughout the entire movie and basically the film has a sort of flashback structure where you see um, the sort of events that led her to sort of fall off the rails slightly and this journey is like she's gonna she's taking this journey with the idea of like this is gonna put me back on track with my right. life yeah the only other thing to mention is Laura Dern who I think got snubbed at the Oscars much to some people's more snubbing. More snubbing. She plays Reese Witherspoon's mother. Even more she's... snubbing than they did awarding nominations this year. It's more snubbing. And she plays the mother character in all these flashbacks. And she's very good in it. So, it's pretty good. I liked it. It's The description of it, <laughs> as well as the trailer and title of it, made me think of Into the Wild. Yeah. That movie with that um, young man. Uh, Emil Hirsch. Man. Emil Hirsch. Emil Hirsch. Yeah, that, which is also about someone heading off into the wilderness and finding themselves, sort of. Yeah. I mean, basically, if this movie is not very unsubtle in this metaphor because uh, the main character is constantly mentioning that it's a metaphor. Right, yeah. And um, But what I liked about it was it's obviously maybe a bit like Fogcatcher. It's like the real story might be better than the actual film. Like, it's a very internal kind of tale. And it's obviously this book, I imagine... What you can do in a book and what you can do in a film is very different. And a book is much better at um, revealing people's inner thoughts yeah. and all that stuff than a film is. And the film takes a very sort of admirable and inventive stab at trying to visualize somebody like going through all their memories. And it has like voiceovers, flashbacks, dream sequences, writing on. It kind of throws everything at the screen. Is there a scene where she stands on a beautiful vista and closes her eyes and the camera just spins around her as she holds her arms out? No, but there's a lot of standing and looking. Right. Okay. Standing and looking at beautiful things and standing and looking at animals in mm -hmm. the wild. 
Yeah, there was one quite funny bit in the trailer where she looks at a fox and then the fox like runs away and she's like, come back! <laughs> yeah, yeah. That bit was quite funny. I was kind of hoping for like a sort of antichrist moment, like, you know, yeah. chaos reigns. Yeah. Out of context, someone like screaming at a fox to come back is... Yeah. Humorous. Okay, so what I liked about the movie, the performances are really great. And uh, I've read some sniff reviews saying it's very oscar Beatty kind of, you know, it's like one woman. One woman goes out and finds herself. <laughs> but it's a very un Oscary movie really and especially a performance which um, is very internal and Reese Witherspoon does a good job of being simultaneously sort of vulnerable and resilient yeah. and naive and weary and there's no like real you know grandstanding scene or like you know monologue scene like if they I don't know what clip they're going to show on the Oscar night you know it's going to be her just walking and like talking to a guy about boots. Yeah, yeah. So when you say that it's not Oscar-y, that you mean as you mean that there's no kind of like this is the message of the film. Yeah, it's not yeah. very obvious. Yeah. And there's probably like a much more Hollywood take on this film, but like what's kind of good about it is the director. I think similar to Dallas Buyers Club, which is like a, on paper seemed like a very awards-friendly movie about mm. people triumphing over adversity. His sort of I don't know what you call like his sort of visual approach is a bit more unpolished, yeah, and a bit more interesting, really. Yeah, but what I that serves all good. Yeah, so there's definitely bits in the movie where it's easy to laugh at. Um, like Laura Dern does like a great job, but she's kind of cast in the role as a sort of angelic supermother. Right. Yeah. Kind of seen from the child's perspective, you know, kind of. Imagine some sort of tree of life. I just like sort of levitating in some scenes. She's so amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. She dances. She sings. She's full of joy. I think there's one bit which is like, we we don't need money. We're rich on love or something. <laughs> and it's very easy to like roll your eyes at like stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. the movie really sort of uh, goes for broke, and it's very sort of sincerely done. And even I was sort of like, okay, fine, you know. Well, it's not, sort of I like home it with it. It helps that it's Laura Dern. You know what I mean? Like, she's not a corny actress. No, she's not like at all. A very, you know, she seems like quite a down to earth, like, yeah, presence. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's very sort of rooted. And uh, similarly, in the direction, it could easily be very manipulative in the way it portrays things. But because it's of the structure, kind of weird flashback structure, like, everything that's bad has already happened. Hmm. And it's all her memory, so there's like a certain objectivity to it. I don't know. It just sort of presented the scenes. It was, you know, and you can sort of, you don't have to feel sad or whatever, which yeah. I didn't. And what I, that's what I liked about the movie. It's very, like, slight. It's like, it's just a sort of character piece. Mm. And um, there was a joke in the Golden Globes where, like, Reese Wilson, like, did her all, all her own walking. So brave. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, it's not a film where, you know, a woman undergoes this incredible, you know, almost dies in the, you know, during it, loses a limb, comes out the other side a hero. It's like she just went for this walk, and it's um, it does a good job of summing up the sort of tone of like as just someone who did a lot of deep thinking while having a stroll. Yeah, and that's the kind of movie. I think that's good because on like just the description of the film, like does make it sound pretty like corny and lame. Yeah, you know? it sounds like a sort of gap yard thing. Or <laughs> yeah, like, you know, I had to go and look at some ferns until I was calm. Or you know, yeah. Well, there is like a slight tension in the movie between like the director's approach, the acting, and there's like a slight sort of quasi spiritualist oprification bullshit kind of thing going on. Yeah, well that's the sort of that's <laughs> like, the sort of thing that you'd like expect yeah. to find almost given that that's the story. Yeah. yeah. But like there's definitely a few moments that like fall into that, but like the general uh film I think is much more like accomplished and a bit more nuanced. There's also like just quite a heavy threat of being raped in the movie a lot. Oh really? 
Yeah, she's constantly mean like, well, you would like, you're this woman traveling alone, and like she meets like a couple of guys, and yeah, she's like, a beautiful woman traveling alone. Yeah, but yeah. like, uh, yeah, there's like, it goes through the realism, what's it like, to, what's it like to travel? Yeah. And it's like often like a bit tense, right, scary, yeah. like Jesus, you know. That's why I wouldn't go traveling by myself. A beautiful man like you. A beautiful man. <laughs> Not the way you dress when you travel. <laughs> With my hair. <laughs> Be the belle of the ball. So, what I took away from that movie is that I'm not going to go traveling. Yeah. But I will travel to the cinema to see this film. Why go traveling? I can travel a thousand miles to see this film. <laughs> Why travel, Sam, when one can go to the cinema and travel to all kinds of places through the magic of the screen? I felt like the film took me on a thousand mile journey. Okay. Yeah. yeah. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen and she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Before we leave you for today, there's just time to check in with our favorite film critic, a man named Armand White, who is a film critic. He writes for the National Review, but he's written for many august publications. Yes. And he's notorious as a contrarian. Um, he's a anti-establishment figure. Ooh. He rails against uh, the critical consensus. And, yeah, because he, he does that. Yes, um, and he he can be relied upon to praise um, anything that everyone thinks is shit, and um, absolutely trash anything that everyone else thinks is great. That's kind <laughs> of his thing. Yeah, and he does it in this uh, highly kind of intellectualized, slightly snooty language. <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, so um, it's always fun to have a look at what he thinks. He's recently published his 10th annual Better Than list, and what he does in this list is he names films which critics liked, and he tells them the film that was better than that film. Okay. Because they are idiots. Seems pointless, but okay. Seems pointless. (laughs) This is how he begins his 10th annual Better Than list. Throughout 2014, movie culture as we used to know it collapsed. Just collapsed. Gosh, I didn't even realise. Yeah, well, you might not um, have noticed because you didn't have your finger on the pulse the way yeah. Armand White does, but he noticed that my film culture was had collapsed. Ass, apparently. Old masters Goddard, Bertolucci, René, and Troll. Who's that guy? Troll? Yeah. How are you spelling that? T-R-O-E-L-L. Do you have any idea who that is? No. Well, he's one of the old masters, and they kept the faith yet went ignored. Navel-gazing, cliche-ridden new jacks turned contemporary cinema to lint the sorriest bunch of sub-mediocre releases of any year this millennium. Gosh, brutal. I hated this year. Ooh. For the first time in the ten years since I began making this better than list, the ratio of good to lousy films became depressingly unbalanced, and much of the lousiness was generated by self-styled prestige pictures that were reported by critics. He actually hates critics. But he's not a critic. Or he's a critic? He's one, but he's the only smart one. Yeah, he's above him. Yeah, etc, etc. So, mostly his list consists of preferring films that no one saw to films that some people might have seen. Okay. So he liked Goodbye to Language more than Boyhood. That was it. Jean-Luc Godard's yeah, yeah, 3D yeah, experiment. Yeah. I really don't like Godard. I mean, I try to watch his films. <laughs> fucking tedious. Did you see um, Dormant Beauty, the film by Marco Bellocchio? Yeah, no. It's better than Unbroken. Did you see Sergio Tovar Velarde's Four Moons? No. Better than Birdman. Okay, well, might, it might be. be cause might you be didn't like Birdman. Uh, did you see Three Hundred: Rise of an Empire? No. Better than Interstellar. Do really? you want to know why? <laughs> why? No Murrow and Zack Snyder raised 3D pulp to a level of sensual, visceral astonishment. 
but Christopher Nolan couldn't get past nerdy, boring, imitation Kubrick's space oddity. How are those two parts of that sentence comparable? <laughs> was, he, was he trying to raise Pulp to a level of sensual, visual, visceral astonishment, Christopher uh, Nolan? Uh, yes? No? It's sort of quite typical of his sentences what? where they're all, they all seem like quite interesting words individually, but strung together, it's not clear what they're actually getting at. Yeah. Anyway, he's always, he's always fun to check in with. So, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And have a bloody good uh, weekend and life. Yes, have a good life, everyone, if you never listen to this again. And if you listen to it again, uh, have a good life in between now and then. Bye. So, bye. Bye. Film Chat was written by Joseph L. Mankovich and directed by his less talented cousin, Manky Joe Elasquaz. Sound designed by James Corden, catering by Mary-Kate Olsen, and music by Adele Dazim. The roles of Sam and Danny were played by Haley Joel Osmond and his less talented cousin, Jolly O'Hazmat. This episode was first performed in 1913 in Paris, where it caused riots but was highly influential. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, shit, I wasn't recording. <laughs> oh, lols.